On this episode of Inside Music Cast, we proudly welcome back guitarist John Harrington to talk about his upcoming solo release, Time on My Hands, containing 10 new tracks that showcase John's incredible feel for the guitar as he stretches his way through more expansive guitar solos than ever before. Give me a taste of your fine red wine. Then everybody gonna be feeling fine. We're gonna party till we see the sun shine, shine, Inside Music Cast welcomes John Harrington. Hey, John, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, welcome. Cool. Uh, hey, you know, since the last time we spoke, which I think was like, I don't know, it was like February of 2011, yeah. you know, you've remained obviously incredibly busy with various projects, you know, such as, you know, tours with Steely Dan, the Dukes of September, live gigs, of course, in support of your own music. And now uh, you're about to release a brand new album project called Time on My Hands, which contains ten, right. yeah, which contains 10 new songs and is... Supported by your band, you know, featuring bassist Dennis Espantman and Frank Pagano on drums. And, you know, seven of the ten tracks in this album have uh, something I was curious about when I was looking at the liner notes. But seven of the ten tracks have Espantman listed for writing credits. And uh, and uh, did he work with you that extensively on uh, Shine, Shine, Shine? No, not, not quite as much as on this record. Um, the... Uh we, we've definitely been uh, co-writers before, even on uh, Like So. Um, if you take a look at the credits on that, that first record that was a record of songs of mine, um, Frank and Dennis are both credited on, um, on maybe about half the songs uh, uh-huh. because we were, we were seriously, uh, we were doing a lot of songwriting at the, in those days and, and um, mostly the three of us were, were working together. And then I, when it was time to make that record, I... Uh, I needed a bunch more, and I, I I went away for a couple of weeks, and I had had the guitar with me, and I came up with about five more tunes that were not not co-writes, just mine. Mm-hmm. But um, the most interesting thing about this new record um, is that because I was trying to make sure that I 
played more guitar on it. That was sort of the first uh, priority. For, yeah. uh, I wanted to do a record where I got to stretch a little more than I had on the records before. And the, the, the two records before that have a slightly more singer-songwriter vibe than, uh, mm-hmm. than this new one does. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they have, they have guitar solos, but they're not quite as, um, you know, they're, they're not long ones. They're usually these little tasty eight-bar breaks in the middle of the song, you know, kind of like the Beatles and the Stones used mm-hmm. to do, right. rather than a stretching thing like, like Hendrix or Cream you'd hear do or something. So exactly. uh, I was trying, you know, I was make, trying to make sure that that was a, a a priority and what i found was that uh in writing the songs with that in mind um i found that the that the character of the songs had to change and had to shift a little and i wasn't able to just write the way i normally had and make it work as easily and um and that's an interesting thing but um I, i sort of was i was a little surprised at how difficult it was at first when i started writing because my i i guess the way i was used to working uh, when I was writing lyrics um, was more um, in in that other genre a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but it just wasn't feeling right. And so, basically, um, I asked for some help um, uh, with the lyrics, mostly on um, on those many of those tunes. Most of the music is is almost entirely mine. Every once in a while there was, Dennis is great at making some suggestions and doing some, some editing, but, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, the music was mine. And, um, and on the occasions where I have a co-writer, it was mostly because I wanted, uh, I, I needed to shift the lyrical, uh, thing, uh, from, from my, ha- my old habits, you know? And I'll tell you, both of those guys, Dennis and Jim Farmer is the other guy who's, right. who, credited on a couple songs they're both uh, really funny guys they're both um like facile you know like they're quicker at coming up with things and also dennis in particular is is he's an impatient sort of writer and so when we work together we're never going down like like a dead end you know it's like he'll nix if he thinks like an idea of mine it's like not going to work he'll let me know right away (laughs) Whereas if I'm alone, you know, I'll, I'll try every every imaginable like detour, and and most of them will turn out to be dead ends. And and the the other reason I I, I mean because this because the the musical material seemed to require a more lighthearted uh, kind of lyrical approach and a more live friendly kind of sound, uh, both with the music and with the lyrics. Um, you know, it, it it once once Dennis and I had good luck with a tune. Um, I was encouraged to just start that way on a couple of other tunes because it was so much fun to write together because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure that that would have been, been the case if the sort of, if the, uh, if the content of the lyrics was more, um, more like the other two records, which is a little more serious, a little more, a little less fun and a little less, uh, entertaining, a little less humor in it, you know, um, I don't think I would have wanted to collaborate as much on that kind of song but on the, on the, the type of tune that we were that we found we wanted to do on this record uh it just the writing was more fun and i think just we, we got more bang for the buck with, with the collaboration because uh you know it, it, it's it was like joking around together <laughs> <laughs> so tell us is, was there any uh, real connection that we noticed that uh on uh, your your last album release it was called shine 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 on the opening track and the new record you also have a track called shine 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 is there any similarity or significance well it's a little it's there's uh there's a little bit of story i mean <laughs> when i was uh when i was label when i was trying to find a name for the last record shine 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 mm-hmm. um I went through uh, listening to the record when it was done. Uh, I looked at all the song titles because typically, you know, you pick a song title and that make that the record title. Right. And I looked and I couldn't find anyone that's, that sounded like it would make, that would sound right as a record title. So I just, then I started looking a little deeper. I, I went and started listening to the lyrics of, of the whole record, Shine, Shine, Shine. And, uh, and it wasn't until the very, very last, last three words on the, on the record that I found that, found the title <laughs> and because uh, those are the background vocals that are on the fade out of the last tune on that yeah, record right, right. that's right <laughs> so, on the end of uh, harsh light you know uh-huh. and uh 
actually harsh light is one that I, I was a collaborative uh lyric writing with uh jim farmer too uh and and there was actually a song um which i, I wrote uh, she reminded me of you alone and uh and that one had the right kind of vibe for the, the sort of you know, a lighter-hearted lyric, a more tongue-in-cheek approach, and a, a live-friendly vibe, you know. That was kind of what I was after in trying to write songs for Time on My Hands. And for some reason, I was able to do it without any help uh, for that. But, uh, but you know, I, I just, like I said, it was it was more fun to write uh, with these guys, and uh, I think I was pretty confident we'd get uh, stuff that would work with the music better. So, anyway, the Shine, Shine, Shine... Um, became the record title but there was no song on that record right Mm -hmm. that's right and uh, at some point when we were trying to put together trying to trying to write these next uh this next batch of songs for time on my hands um kind of late in the game shine 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 was probably the last one i wrote it it occurred to me like well wait a minute like that that might be a good song title why i should have written a song Would have made sense, but of course I hadn't done that, and that record was done. But uh, but you know, Dennis and I followed through, and uh, we uh, actually yeah, he, he's I wrote all those lyrics myself. But but and I think I think the the music came from uh, one day that Dennis and I were just to, together, just sort of jamming, and uh, and I came up with some some uh, little guitar riff or something. But uh, all I used from that was the guitar riff, and uh, and then. Uh, and then came up with the lyric. But uh, again, the, the whole the whole idea on this record was to try to uh, try to find uh, the right tone of the lyrics for for the kind of music that uh, allowed me to stretch out on the guitar. So. Yeah, you know, I, Eddie and I are such liner notes geeks that, especially me, I, I have a habit when I get a new CD of opening it up and going right to the liner notes before I even <laughs> hear one note. I just want to. I used to do that all the time with records before I listen. <laughs> You know, and then I say, "Okay, now I'm ready to listen." It's almost like uh, it's almost like you want to visualize what you're about to hear just based right. on who's playing on it. But but anyway, this time when I cracked open "Time in My Hands," I just I just bypassed the liner notes because I I figured your band was on it, and I just I just popped it in and listened to the CD all the way through. And um, oh really? We you know we've always known you as as you know obviously a very versatile and proficient guitarist, but. You know, in the past, you know, you've always really seemed to let, you know, the song speak and you never really get too caught up in, like you said, stretching or shredding too much. And it's your songs are always so tasteful. But this time around, I feel like the songs in this album are, are still wonderfully written, but without question, like you said a moment ago, you really seem to let your guitar work take center stage mm-hmm. frequently throughout several tracks. You know, like uh, Time on My Hands, for example, the, the whole album, I guess, is truly a, is, is a great album for you know guitar enthusiasts in general i mean it's it's a yeah. really wonderful album yeah. and from a musical well, perspective I, i'm thrilled to hear that because uh, that that was the idea and and it, it was my biggest concern about it too um because I, I i i figured out right away when we when you put like when you start with uh the idea that it has to have room for a certain kind of stretching out or a certain kind of blowing on the guitar um i realized right away that it would be easy to uh, to sort of compromise on the, the songs, um, and and I think a lot of people do, unfortunately. I mean, like uh, it, it was not easy all the time to, to sort of wrangle these tunes and, and make sure that they still sort of you know held up as songs themselves, yeah. you, and didn't just end on the, the the blowing to make them uh, you know interesting. Or right. you know, I, I don't want people to be like fast forwarding through the guitar solos. I mean, it's flatter. <laughs> I'm happy about that, but but again, like I, I really I like quality songs, and uh, that's always been a priority. And I and I was a little afraid: is this lighter approach gonna uh, you know gonna work for me? Am I gonna be happy enough with the songs? And I you know I guess I'll I'll, I'll know better in ten years, you know whether uh, whether I still like this one as much as I like the last couple or whatever. But yeah. but so far I'm getting great responses about the songs as well from people and including you guys, which like I said, it's a thrill because that was one of my concerns and we certainly were addressing it very consciously, but I wasn't, uh, you know, it's hard to know you lose perspective when you dive into a yeah, project. Yeah, this, yeah. It's yeah. long. So it's good to know that, uh, that something like that is coming through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, John's uh, new album, Time on My Hands, is officially released uh, on August 3rd, and we're excited to be able to play a few tracks from it to uh, hopefully whet everyone's appetite. (laughs) So right now, let's uh, check out one of the tracks that features Donald Fagan, and this is E-Girl. 
got no spam. Got a big old hard drive and tons of RAM. I want to get connected. I filled out the form. I retyped my password. I'm getting warm. Yeah. Bet you're sweet, I bet you're fine. One click will make you mine Oh, E-G-I-R-L I'd like a blonde girl Or better yet Fine young redhead Turned brunette I know you're out there I know you're fine I'm gonna find you In that data mine You know you're driving me mad Instant message. I read my alerts. I got me a firewall. No one gets hurt. I sent you my profile. I sent you my pick. I sent you my preferences. So call me. Let's make love by the light of the screen. You're the cutest girl I've never ever seen. your button I hear you come turn on your cookies throw me a crumb unlock your spyware baby cause here I come can't touch you but I'm so in love you're the only girl I'm dreaming of oh E-G-I-R-L you know Hey, John, two tracks on the album, um, Caroline, Yes, and E-Girl, um, have a familiar name, uh, you know, credited to both, and that's <laughs> Donald they Fagan, do. of course. <laughs> Donald Fagan. It, you know, me, me and Rick were talking, and uh, we were wondering, you know, this this is the first time that we think that uh, he's participated on any of your solo albums. Is uh, is that correct or not? Yeah, it absolutely is, yes. What led to your decision to, to bring him in and tell us about yeah. that? We were lucky enough to be able to do – before before Levon Helm died, we were lucky enough to get the uh, the band booked on one of his rambles. He he had this this uh, music series going up in Woodstock. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Saturday night, he used to uh, hold this ramble, which two hundred some seats. And actually, his daughter Amy um, is is producing the events now. I think so. They're they're going to try to keep them going, which is which is great. But. Uh, we were able to go up and do a show um, and open for Levon's band on one of the nights that he was there. And uh, Donald was playing 
regularly with Levon's band. Um, when he wasn't on the road with Steely Dan, and we we weren't busy with that, he was always doing that because he's he's got a place up in Woodstock, and he loved to play. And he was on the road with Levon when Levon went on the road last time, and and so uh, you know he just was a sideman basically playing piano. And uh, and he would sing a tune or two here and there, but mostly he was just playing, and just because he enjoyed it, and uh, mostly to play with Levon, I think, because that was such a he was so fabulous. Yeah. But um, you know, we, uh, we uh, since Donald was there, um, we and, and since Levon's band was all there, uh, we couldn't resist asking the horns to sit in on a couple tunes and. And uh, I couldn't resist asking Donald to sit down on a couple, the last couple tunes of our of our opening set that night at the at the Ramble, and uh, one of them was uh, Caroline Yes, I think that we had him play. Mm-hmm. I think another one was a cover that I I sometimes do a Lee Dorsey tune, and um, you know, uh, oh, we also we also had Brian Mitchell, an organist, a great organist from New York City, was. Uh, we played on a couple tunes too, so we, we basically made use of the the great musicians that were there as well, and Donald was one of them. And so, so I think that's where the the idea first surfaced because we heard him. You know, he hadn't rehearsed with us; uh, just threw a chart in front of him, and uh, and he started banging out his rock and roll piano, and it, and it really sounded great. So, <laughs> so I, I think it was, I don't even think it was me because I, I'm a little reluctant to to sort of ask, uh, you know because of the nature of our relationship he's my boss i've been working with him i'm happy to be there I'm, you know i i felt a little uh a little unsure of mm-hmm. you know whether to do that but um but dennis uh like my uh man of action buddy you know like i said <laughs> impatient man of action uh bass player um <laughs> Uh, said, "Oh, come on! You got you to call him. You know? <laughs> you gotta, says, well, what do you got to lose? You know, like, like and worse, what can he say? No, you know, like, you know? but he said yes. You know, much to my surprise. So, uh, so, uh, so then you know, we booked a day when he, you know, when he was around and free, and uh, we went into uh, Electric Lady Studios, that famous place where Hendrix used to record in yeah. uh, in uh, in New York, and." Uh, we put him on Wurlitzer on uh, E Girl and put him on uh, acoustic piano on Caroline Yes and uh, and you know it was uh, it was great. He adds a, he adds a spirit that uh, that I think only he could bring to it. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. You know, you also incorporated another Steely bandmate uh, on this album, Jim Beard, who you know appears on several tracks playing various keys. And you know, Jim seems like you know he'd be a no-brainer choice, but you know he's so versatile and he's such an incredible musician. But you know, and I'm I'm just thinking to myself, why consider anybody else? <laughs> but, right. but you guys, you know, you and Jim have a pretty long history of working together. I mean, you've played on you know several of his album projects in the past, in I guess going back maybe over twenty years ago. It's true. Um, we met a long time ago, and uh, I think it was 1981 when we were. He was uh, he was studying at the uh, at the at Indiana University, and I was yeah. happened to be living in Indianapolis for a couple of years. And um, the first night we met, we actually got to hear each other play, and we got to play together a bit. And uh, I think we recognized right away there was like a serious musical connection, right? You know, from the beginning, and uh, we began to work in jazz bands together, and. Played, played quite a lot over the next several years. And uh, when we both ended up in New York a few years later, when he wasn't busy with, uh, with a lot of the, the, uh, the great bands that he toured with, like Wayne Shorter and John Schofield, Pat Metheny, John McLaughlin, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Evans, with whom we worked together. Um, when he was around, he was, he was working on music of his own, and uh, we, sh- we shared a studio now for like 20-plus years, I guess. And, uh, and we worked very hard together on uh, his first four records uh, I was a co-producer of and and he was a co-producer on my first record uh, the complete rhyming dictionary which was done in 92 for a for a uh, Japanese label yeah. and uh, and reissued and retitled actually and released in 2008 um, on ESC records as mm-hmm. uh, pulse and cadence now it's called yeah. um, but yeah, Jim, uh, Jim and I have, like I said, shared a studio for years, and uh, though we we work a little less often together uh, than we used to, but well, now that he's in Steely Dan, and he's so we're we're doing we're still doing a lot of playing together. Um, the, uh, you know, I, he was he was definitely the obvious choice for, uh, for the uh, the few keyboard things, um, 
I needed on this record. And uh, he's featured really on uh, I Hear They Shoot Horses. And uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the real deal with uh, <laughs> <when he's, laughs> that you know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have much room or, or call for, for, for a lot of keyboards on this record. And originally I was, I was even thinking it might uh, be a trio record, you know, and sound uh -huh. more like what we sound like live. But I really just couldn't resist the uh, urge to add add some stuff and to, and to sort of you know fill it out a little bit with with more guitars mostly and uh, there's a lot of slide guitar on there in yeah. the background so and some and vocals of course and then in a couple of cases these uh these keyboard guys but uh well, we, we yeah want... he's uh Donald calls Jim uh often introduces Jim on this uh, on this gig as the uh underutilized and overqualified Jim Beer. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard him say that before. That's cool. <laughs> well, it's, it's exactly too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to uh, Eddie and I want to dive into the album a little bit and talk about a, a few tracks and one you just mentioned. Uh, it's, it's and it's one in particular that stands out for me is is I hear they shoot horses. Oh yeah. And um, you know, just knowing your music as as well as Eddie and I do, you know, your style your style's never really reflected. You know that of Steely Dan's, and you certainly have your own sound. And I think, I think I might even mention this in the last time we interviewed you. But I, you know, I think people might assume when they listen to your solo work or before they listen to it that they're going to hear a, you know, a jazz tinged, you know, Steely Dan kind of feel. But you know, your style is all your own. And and on here they shoot horses. I I kind of feel that maybe your years of Steely influence pop through a little bit musically and maybe even lyrically, and it, and it kind of it might have to do a lot uh, with you know some of the stretching you guys did on the some of the guitar parts and some of Jim's mm -hmm. you know uh, keys. But tell us a little bit about your approach to this song and the meaning behind the title and lyrics on this one. <laughs> well, well, the whole the lyric is uh, a product of one of those those fun hangs with Dennis in Brooklyn, you know, when, when we came up with that one. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, we had an idea for the song. I basically, like, I had an idea of the, from, the, that whole song started with a drum groove. We, we, uh, yeah. we heard uh, this uh, great um, Steve Jordan drum groove uh, on a beginning of a John Mayer tune. It's, mm -hmm. it's actually a Ray Charles tune that John Mayer was covering. And, uh, and we just, like, I don't know, one of us heard it and said, oh, that's, that's just so cool. We got to that's a great groove. We should, yeah. we should see if we could write a tune around that groove. And, uh, so it, you know, and I, I, the reason I was open to that kind of thing, I, typically that's not how I would begin a, uh, you know, a composition, but, uh, because I realized that like a groove like that would be really fun to, to play on. You know, I, I said, well, yeah, let's, let's see if we can do something with that. And, um, so then, you know, the, the music sort of became pretty clear, pretty quickly and uh and then when dennis and i got together we started uh we, we started working on the lyric and uh again because it because it was a collaboration and because the whole thing is very tongue-in-cheek um yeah you know we, we felt we could sort of go over the top with it you know and uh, and have some fun um but it's it's a it is a different kind of uh, vibe. The whole song has a very different kind of vibe, and it's and it's probably the closest thing to a. a it's the jazziest sort yeah. of sounding yeah. tune, or the most. Um, you know, it's it, yeah, it's it's the jazziest. There was something about the solo section. Um, I remember doing a record. Uh, actually, there was there probably is a little nod to Jim's writing in there too. There's a there's a tune that Jim wrote on, that I played on on a Michael Brecker record. I played on a track that he sent me. Basically, I played in New York, but you know, and then sent him the track back, you know, over the over the internet. And uh, it uh, it was a tune that was a, a tune of Jim's that was on uh, a Mike Brecker record. And um, I always loved the way Mike played on it because um, Mike is soloing on the on the Mike Brecker record. Yeah, but there's a couple chord changes that were just really fun. And the way Mike played on it was always, you know, was powerful to me. And I, and I, so I, I sort of realized when I was, I had written this. Uh, I hear they shoot horses. The music was pretty much done. But then the, but then the solo section, I, I realized I could sort of throw in a few curves there harmonically that would, uh, that would sort of be fun to play on and uh, and change the character a little bit. So, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, I sort of took a few chances and got out of the, uh, you know, this turned left a little bit there for a minute yeah <laughs> it was fun yeah yeah well jim I th if i'm correct uh you know when you said you wanted to embellish it with a little bit of uh, the keyboard parts i think this is the only track that that jim actually throws in the fender roads and it really does fill it out as, as you say yeah. you know and he gets to scratch at the end there yeah, know, yeah 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 
rating at the end. Yeah, it fits really nice. It's hey, I, you know, sticking with uh, I hear these short horses. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the, you know, the, the, about the vocals. I mean, this was a unique song from a vocal perspective for you, and there's there's a lot of layers to the lead vocal. And in fact, uh, and you might find this funny, but <laughs> when I hear it, I almost I've heard, I've listened to this song probably two dozen times since I've had the record. You know, for about a week ago. But when I hear it, I almost think that this. Uh, it, the vocal layers almost sound like a vocal mix of David Lee Roth, Joe Walsh, and maybe a little Donald Fagan there. <laughs> and I, wow. and it's, I know that might sound strange. I, I think I read somewhere else that somebody was comparing it to uh, uh, sort of a Joe Walsh vibe as well. But, you know, I kind of expected to see those names in the credits, you know. I, I thought maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the, the different thing about that, I mean, actually, Joe Walsh is a funny thing that you mentioned because there's, there's a tune, Sweet Jenny Rose. Yeah. yeah. Sounds a little, it reminds me a little bit of a James Gang vibe yeah. or something, just with yeah. the melody that, that I wrote true. on that. But, um, but this tune, uh, and actually Sweet Jenny Rose too, uh, Dennis is, uh, is very prominent uh on the uh, vocal for uh, for I hear the shoot horses okay. because he's singing the he's singing the high octave the the, the uh, that's what the I'm melody hearing, gets yeah. sung in octaves and I'm on the low part and okay. he's he's on the high part so mm-hmm. the different character definitely comes from his voice being sort of the the thing that you hear most I think I mean mine's mixed pretty hot but but you definitely hear his voice on the top yeah. and it's a it's kind of an unusual melody. The notes are a little funny. That second phrase, you know, uh-huh. it's a little, it's a little uh, twisted somehow. But, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's the it's the character of his voice. He's got he's got a really cutting sound, and uh, he's uh, you know, it's just it's it's pretty powerful. And it was it was it came out well that way. It's fun. You know, and Eddie and I were we were chatting before this interview today, and uh, you know, we, he and I both agree that I hear they shoot horses is one of our favorite tracks from your new album, Time in My Hands. Oh, really? So uh, I want to take a quick breather, and uh, we want to check this one out. And this is I hear they shoot horses from our guest today, John Harrington. Champagne and swimming in 
on the track Caroline, yes, it, it's a, it's a really bluesy, up tempo song, and uh, you know it actually has three part harmony, and it reminds us of Chuck Berry, Stevie Ray Vaughan, a little bit of a Joe Bonamassa mixed all in there. It's uh, but this one is one of the tracks that features Fagan, Donald Fagan, and uh, on piano. So tell us a little right. bit about this. It's a it's a very interesting track. I like that. Well, it's uh, it's a it's one of the simpler ones. It's mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's a blue, pretty much a straight ahead blues, and um, almost. I mean, there's a, there's a few little harmonic changes, and there's a it's a blues with a bridge most for the most part. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I think I, that one. I think I conceived of that one as as a great tune to to sort of stretch out on the guitar. It really uh, that was. Uh, I remember when I first wrote it. That's what I had in mind. I wanted to make sure, uh, you know. I, I, I wanted the design, the, the chord changes, and the groove uh, yeah. to, to be to be good for me to to stretch out and uh, and play several choruses on. I thought it'd be good live. I thought it might be good on the record. And then um, the lyric, I think, on that one was a little uh, elusive for me. And I and I uh, I decided to just I had a melody in mind. I had the whole thing kind of pretty clear what I needed, but I wasn't happy with whatever lyric. I don't even remember anymore what what my First conception was going. I don't even think I had the title, but uh, so I gave it to. I actually remember like re- recording it, um, just you know by myself with guitar, and I I just hummed a melody, you know, with with no lyrics. But but I, I knew the syllables I wanted. I knew the melody I wanted. I just I wanted him to just hear, uh, you know, the music and see if he could fill in the blanks and, and come up with a lyric that would work. And uh, I guess he was thinking of Beach Boys or something, you know, Caroline No. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> you know, he he shifted it to Caroline, yes, and uh, that's that's what it took to get him to finish it. And uh, but you know, it it really was designed around the blowing. Right? So if it if it sounds like a guitar player's tune, that's 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 probably natural and a result of that. You know, and it, one more thought about Fagan, and, and you know, I was thinking about when you bring him in to play on your album. It's you know, it's a little bit of a role reversal for you, right? I mean, now now he's playing for you, and. Um, you know, how did you approach his role for the two tracks he played? I mean, did he pretty much stick to the charter? Did he speak up and add his own two cents? Well, it, um, we had the tune recorded. Um, he was the last thing that we added. And uh, basically, uh, I did have a chart for him, um, which which he, he, he sort of glanced at, but he was quickly uh, sort of in it, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what he typically <laughs> is. And, um, you know, we, we just did... Uh, we did a, we did a few takes and recorded them all and we had the we had the we had a good piano mic'd up well and uh, you know um, every once in a while I I I point out something like you know, that I wasn't wasn't sure he uh, he got that I thought we might need like a couple chord changes which I really needed nailed in a certain particular way you know so you know he he would make a note of those and 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 get those and uh, you know then I and then I was you know I. I had him do several takes, and you know, we, we I took it home and we sorted through and figured out what would be the best way to uh, to present it, because it was. Uh, I mean, ideally, you'd want to record all like the you know everybody on the track like that together. I mean, that's what I would prefer to have done, but we just didn't have that opportunity. We were when we were tracking this record, it was just the three of us, and we yeah. were up in in uh, Massachusetts somewhere, and uh, you know, so and, and you know. At that point, I hadn't really even thought of of asking him to contribute. So, uh, and and at that point, I, I and before that, I think uh, Caroline Yes was one of those candidates for for staying like a trio song, you know. But uh, when we played it with him at Levon's uh, Ramble, you know, um, it, it gave us the idea. Oh well, this this will work really well with a kind of rock and roll piano thing. Uh, yeah, and he, and you know, it, it's almost it, it's got a lot in there. There's some rock and roll. There's some jazz, and there's. Uh, and uh, you know a bluesy thing, you know, and uh, of course, of course, he's, you know, he loves all that music, and yeah. uh, he's regularly is channeling it when he's <laughs> behind yeah. the piano. Yeah, and yeah. hey, you know, John, if you had a dangerous sense of humor, which I'm not sure what your sense of humor is like, but <laughs> you know, you should have waited like about three weeks after he came in and and then called him and said, you know, uh, you know, those tracks you played on, on <laughs> Caroline, yes, you know, we didn't use any of those. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that story, right? <laughs> so, yeah, well, I like 
job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> extremely dangerous. It's easy for you to say, Rick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Another fantastic song on the album is uh, I Ain't Got You. And it's you know basically the tale of a man who has every earthly possession with the exception of the girl he truly you know wants or desires and you know i love you know one of the things about this this song and you know you probably know what i'm about to say but i love the break near the end of the song where your lyric is i've got a band and boom you know there's dead silence right. for about 3 seconds and then you follow up with the lyric they stop on cue but i ain't got you I, it's it's just it's it's very creative and i love that and it actually threw me for a loop i was in my car listening and i was just you know kind of you know driving and listening and, and you know i thought i had a defective cd <laughs> <laughs> it's a long one, and it's a. It takes a long time to get. It's got a lot of verses, and it takes a long time to get to that point. And then it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? Uh, so I think it, it, you know, it grooves for a long time before it gets to that point. So it, it probably does come up as a shock if you're not paying too close attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the that's you know, that's a little bit of showbiz that we uh, we couldn't resist doing, and uh, and it's fun to do live, as you can imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought about that. Yeah. But the uh, that that song has an interesting little history. I uh, a, a couple of years ago, when uh, Madeline Peru, another a, a fabulous singer, I, I, yeah. I've been working with off for five six years now. Um, she was making a new record, and um, and I'd been working with her quite quite uh, a lot, and uh, and I decided um, to submit several songs, uh, three songs actually. Uh, I wrote and submitted three songs to her to uh, see if she'd be interested in in, uh, in doing them. And I really wrote them. them uh, actually, Dennis helped me with them. Um, again, mostly with the lyrics, uh, mostly my music, and uh, we collaborated a bit on the lyrics. But the idea was, uh, you know, to really write them for her, you know, and, uh, and w- with the right tone and you know, just sort of right sensibility and the right right musical vibe well one of those tunes was called i ain't got you <laughs> and uh and um it was it was a lot shorter it uh it didn't have the same musical groove at all it had some different chord changes and it was a, l- a little simpler but the biggest difference was that the lyric was was much more earnest you know it, it didn't get uh it didn't get you know funny or entertaining or over the top it was quite quite serious uh Almost the way it start. It's. I think we 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 still have some leftover lyrics that were in the original version from the very first uh, few lines. I, I think that's what survived. Um, let's see how's it go. Um, I got the pictures inside the drawer. I got the ring that you don't wear no more. I got my heart. It still beats true, but I ain't got you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it had a much earnest serious tone you know but you know and and as you if you if you listen to the track that we ended up coming up with you know it gets progressively and progressively wilder (laughs) but it starts with that sort of uh same sort of sentimental thing you know but uh but the tune we wrote for madeline just stayed there you know yeah and and she didn't want to do it but uh i think she wrote all the tunes herself on that record but uh but you know it you know, we we decided we'd try to squeeze squeeze that lemon a harder and see what came out. And it was another one of those days at Dennis's place in Brooklyn where we just <laughs> took it and said, "Hey, wait, we could do something else with this." And uh, <laughs> and we uh, we just uh, tried to get as outrageous as we could with it, and <laughs> and then did a little editing and tried to clean it up. And, uh, it turned out to be a long song, but yeah, but it's it's a fun one. So. Yeah, I've got hedge funds, stocks and bonds. I've got brunettes and I've got blondes. And I've got a redhead. She's 22, but I ain't got you. <laughs> I love it. Every guy's, every guy's dream. Yeah. <laughs> I Ain't Got You uh, is such a fun song musically, but, you know, especially lyrically. Yeah. And uh, so let's take a short break and let's check this one out. Heart 
Baby, 
you know, this album is beautifully mastered, uh, John, and it's uh, as you know, as far as it goes, you know, it's saying even sonically, it might be, uh, it, it's it's what you might say, it's your best project to, to date. I mean, how do you how do you see your own body of work with this new album? You know, it's it's really it's really tough to have a perspective on that. There there mm-hmm. is a way that I think you know we've we've tried to sort of learn from uh, from everything we've done before. Uh, and and you know try to do the best best work we can and certainly like you know st- styles of recording even in the last ten years uh, have have changed a little bit you know ma- everybody's mastering hotter and and uh, you know it's a there's there's different you know habits that people get into of of work you know that if if they're keeping up and uh, not that I keep up all that much but I try to hire guys who uh, who can who are good at that um, but uh, you know I mean. I still would long to do a record sort of the old-fashioned way. Um, I sort of feel like I, I'm, I'm actually thrilled with the way it sounds, but I'm kind of amazed that it sounds as good as it does because because it sort of feels like you know every, because I'm you know, it's all my money spending I'm spending yeah. for this and yeah. I, I feel like you know we're, we're trying to do it on the cheap really and like a lot of people do nowadays and yeah. and uh, you know I, I I would sure love to do a, a project like. You know the way every record used to get made. You know when you, mm-hmm. you know you you go into the studio for a month and uh, and you do the whole thing there, except with the exception of the mastering. You know, yeah. but uh, we did use a kind of a makeshift, uh, but but stu- you know a real studio, but um, but not in the not in the most ideal location um, for the tracking of this. And uh, you know I would love to have like a great sounding room, a, a couple days to just get sounds and set up, and then the luxury of recording. You know over the course of a week or two or something and then like do overdubs in the same place and just, just sort of camp out and stay there, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, nobody has them anymore. I don't have the money. That, you know, so. Um, and, you know, there's no record label involved in all these indie projects, you know, you, you, you just sort of do it how you can. Right. And, uh, the one thing I, I did like about it was, uh, the overdub phase, um, you know, I, I can do that by myself in my studio, and there are certainly advantages to doing that. Um, you know, it's it's obviously it's more affordable, but you can work when you're in the mood to work. You can work as long as you want or as little as you want. Um, you you know, because you're not like on the clock. It's you know not worried about money and you're not worried about time. And uh, if you have time, you can you can put stuff down and then like. And then not listen to it for a month and come back and listen again and say, oh, well, like I was right about that, but I was wrong about that. And then you fix what you didn't like. And so you can you can really fine tune a project like that. But I'll tell you, it's uh, it would be easier and, and a lot more fun to sort of be paying bigger bucks and being in a studio with a great engineer and a great great sounding room. Yeah. And not to have to be my own engineer and you know, I'm wearing all the hats here, you know. <laughs> like right. you know, I it was a lot of work that way, and I and uh, but you know, like I said, I I think we 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 did try to do the best we could, but but there's no question this was done you know as affordably as we could possibly do it mm-hmm. and and keep the quality you know up where we wanted it. So um, so yeah, I hope it I hope it turns out to uh, to be the best sounding record I've done. Um, I I still love Shine Shine Shine, and I I, yeah. I still have a fondness for the way Like So sounds. I mean, I, I, to me, yeah. they're very different. And uh, like so, sounds a little more stripped down, a little more, a little more raw. Yeah. But it's but it sounds good to me. It's still, and it's, when I when I put it on, just sonically, it still holds up to me. And uh, so um, I'm hoping I feel the same way about this one. So far, I do. And uh, the uh, but I really love the way Shine 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 came out. That's a, that's a beautiful sounding record too. And that was done on the cheap too. So mm-hmm. so uh, you know. Someday, if uh, there's a windfall, <laughs> do it. Do it like uh, they used to do in like 1968 or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, time on my hands uh, is set to be released on August 3rd, and it can be ordered right. uh, through your website. And uh, in fact, I believe you've got a special autographed uh, version or copy that can be uh, ordered uh, right now, and uh, you take delivery a little quicker. Tell us about that. Yeah. We do, yeah. Well, we have uh, we have some pre-release copies that I was able to sign before I went on the road, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a couple hundred or something that we that we thought we'd offer for sale, and uh, they uh, they're still there for a, for a slight premium, uh, which which helps me recoup my uh, mastering fees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a 
<laughs> but uh, I think they're still there, and we'll, and we'll probably sell them till they're gone. Uh, we'll probably keep them up there. But the the record will will uh, be released officially on August third, and I think that's when it it'll start to show up on iTunes and on CD Baby. Um, still, still, I think uh, easiest way to get it is in our store yeah. on the site. But I think you'll be able to see it on Amazon.com, and uh, there's even a download. I think you can order from. Uh, there'll be a download right from my site. If you don't want to bother with the CD, mm-hmm. you can get uh, get the uh, the digital download from from uh, the site too. Um, and that, those will all be at uh, you know the, the sort of similar competitive prices that we that the other records have been selling at. I think. Hey, I want to switch gears and quickly talk a little about touring. And, and uh, I'm assuming that you're probably going to be doing some dates in support of this new record, right? Yeah, we're going to try to uh, – we've got two months of work booked uh, when I'm not working uh, as a sideman, you know, when I'm yeah. going to be home doing that. Uh, all September and October we have, uh, I think, you know, maybe uh, 20 gigs or so booked with my band. And uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it'll, it'll be uh, the closest thing we can mount to a, a CD release tour, you know, for the, yeah. to try to sell the record. And um, yeah, we'll be playing a lot of the stuff from the record, and uh, you know, some other stuff too. Are you? Uh, are those shows that are booked already? Are those primarily there on the East Coast? Are you going to branch out and try to get across a little in, into different parts of the country this time? This time, this those two months of work uh, are all driving distances, uh, pretty much okay. uh, from New York City. Where we're all where we're, we're all based, right. um, we uh, we're going we you know we're 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 trying to uh, build this thing up so that uh, it you know it, we can afford to take it further away. But um, but right now we're uh, we're just focusing on the uh, the stuff that we can get to uh, you know in a van or in a car or in a couple cars uh, because it's um, because it's it's we can do decent. We can make decent money that way. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The problem uh, we're going to need bigger guarantees, and with with neighborhoods that, as much as we'd love to go to, uh, to you know, all sorts of different locations, uh, until we uh, are confident we can get uh, get people in the seats and get the guarantees from the from the club owners up to uh, to the number that will allow us to uh, afford our our travel there and our hotel expenses every night when we're away. It's, uh, yeah. it's considerably more expensive to, to mount that kind of thing. And, uh, and I certainly have high hopes to do it and, uh, and I want to do it as soon as possible. But, uh, but we have to, uh, we have to be sort of content with the, the pace that we can work at because, because really quite a lot of the, the year, I'm I'm typically, you know, uh, away, you know, with my side man duties, you know, yes, on the road. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard. Uh, and I'm when I look at the calendar, it looks pretty damn busy. <laughs> and like I'm, I'm looking for, hey, am I ever going to get a day off this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the speaking of the the Dukes of September tour, you know, it's uh, this year is is a little more. It's it's a heavier schedule than last year, isn't it? Well, we we did a lot with with Steely Dan last year. That mm-hmm. was that was quite a long tour too. Um, this one is uh, some 41 dates, I think, uh, and now they booked Japan too. So uh, I think there'll be another four at least. So uh, yeah, it's it's a substantial one. It's more than we've done many years with Steely Dan, I'm sure of that. Um, and it's you know it's it's basically it was June through the end of August, and now now it's going to go. We're going to there's a, that little Japan trip. Looks like it'll happen at the end of October, beginning of November. Yeah, yeah. So uh, quite it's quite a bit of work, and uh, I've also already done a about a month with Madeline Peru earlier in the year and I've got another month coming up with her in November. So, uh, you know, it's, it's quite a bit and, uh, it's a bit, big, big busy year, uh, both as a sideman and, and for my band. And earlier in the year we did, a, we did a couple months of, uh, gigs with my band too. So, uh, there, it's never a dull moment this year. So, uh, and the Steely Dan band is, uh, the band pretty much, uh, the same set of players that you've been playing with for, uh, for a long, long time. Um, it's a little different on this Dukes tour. It's a, it's similar to a Steely Dan band. Freddie Washington's the bass player, and Jim Beard and I, are, uh, in, in the rhythm section. And but we have a drummer uh, who who uh, has been working with Boz and Michael McDonald uh, of late, and his name is Shannon Forrest, and he's yeah. great. And, yeah. uh, and um, we have two of the background singers that have been doing the Steely Dan tour in the in the recent years: Carolyn Linhart and, and Catherine Russell. And the horn players, we've got. Uh, Two Steely Dan veterans, uh, Michael Lenhart and 
Walt Weisskopf. Yeah, and absolutely. We also have Jay Collins as the second saxophone player. Okay. So he he did Duke's thing the last year. He's he's been in Greg Allman's band and was in. I guess he was working with Levon too. Um, he's married to Levon's daughter. Amy. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, one of our uh, correspondents, Brian Pearson, who's up in Chicago, um, he had a he kind of had a thought and a question. He said, "You're pretty ingrained with uh, obviously all of the Steely and the Fagan material, and so he's he's saying, you know, the the Duke shows must be a great change of pace for you and you know the other guys that have been involved in Steely's band as well." I, I think it is. I, it certainly is for me. I mean. Uh, you know, in some ways, I mean, it's it's always challenging to do to do any job well. It seems to me, but uh, this one is really quite different. I mean, uh, with Steely Dan, um, your concentration is really sort of uh, put to the test because you know the the tunes are unusual, and uh, almost every tune you know has a sort of a a harmonic curveball coming at you, you know, sometime during the song. And, and, and often there are sections that only happen once and they're, they're in unusual lengths. You know, the forms are slightly unusual, you know, and, uh, and, and, and for me, it's a, it's a big solo chair in the Steely Dan band. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot to play. So it, in a way it's a, it's a higher pressure gig. The Dukes is a lot of fun because a lot of these tunes are, uh, are simpler. They're, uh, but you know, they're, they're really groovy. They're really fun. They're really entertaining. They're uh, and they're fun to play on. But you know, it, it, in a Steely Dan tune, you know, you seldom stay in the same key for the entire song. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, on these old like old R and B tunes and these old rock and roll and soul tunes, you know, uh, you, you, like when we play "Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again," you know, that slide tune, you know. It stays in the same key <laughs> relentlessly yeah, right. for about yeah. ten minutes. You know, so you know it's um, it's a very different kind of thing, and uh, so it's fun. You can get into the to the whole rhythm section groove, uh, and you know the the playing is, you know, it's it. I can treat it a little more lightly, I guess. I guess the the pressure is a little a little off in that way, and and there's a little less for me to play because uh, we got uh, I don't know. Just it's just the nature of the music. I mean, that like Steely Dan. The guitar was definitely their solo instrument of choice on those records. Yeah, absolutely. And but there are a lot of things we play on this Duke's gig where there where there isn't a guitar solo. So, uh, you know, so it's um, and I'm happy to be just the rhythm section guy. It's that's 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 fine with me too. And uh, and you know when you're playing with a great rhythm section like these guys, it's uh, it's it's fun and always always a blast. So, you know, it, but it really is a different kind of thing. Um, and you know, it, I'm glad to have uh, the opportunity to do both. I mean, if I if I only did this, I'd be longing for the Steely Dan thing. And but and if I only did the Steely Dan thing, now that I know what how much fun this can be, uh, I'd be longing for this. And yeah. the real antidote for this kind of stuff uh, is my own band. You know, when I'm uh, when I'm done with a long tour, uh, I really I really love the I, the, the shift of focus to uh, playing with my own band, mostly because it's it's so cleared out. You know, it's so stripped down with just three of us. You know. Yeah. It's a, sound and uh, you know we got 12 pieces on stage at, with the dukes even so yeah and even though it's a little more than it's like one person smaller than uh the steely dan band only but uh you know there's, there's a lot going on <laughs> so, <laughs> right well I'm, I'm pleased to see that you, you know your final uh stop on the dukes tour here in the states is going to be right here uh where eddie and i live right. in indianapolis and yeah, that's uh, right it's indy of course, you know we we know that you spent a, a few years here as well, and we talked about that a little earlier. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so and then after that, you know, like you said, you're going to be doing some shows, uh, some live gigs, uh, are for for your own music, and uh, and it seems like your 2012 is just cruising right along. Yeah, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. This uh, I won't be able to get off this train. This this doesn't doesn't take a break till <laughs> December, like I said. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's up for 2012. Uh, I'd love to know, but uh, I think uh, you know. One one thing we can count on is is booking my band more, you know, and you know if it's if it's a slower year touring that that, that might be pretty welcome because this is this has been a lot of work, yeah. uh, and you know we've got some momentum with this new record and and with the band working much more than we ever ever had before. Uh, that's that's a complete shift, you know, uh, lately, and uh, I want to keep the momentum up, so uh, I think you know going to try to keep booking it. 
Well, we love time on my hands, and, and uh, it was great to, to get a kind of a pre-release listen to it, and, and we really encourage all of our listeners to check this one out because it's Absolutely. fantastic. Sure do, especially your guitarists well, out I there think. because you're going to love some of the, the some of the some of the uh, stretching on this one, like John mentioned. Yeah. Well, hey, John, thanks so much for spending time with us, and uh, we really appreciate it once again. You're, I think, uh, between you and Lee Sklar, there's going to be a battle to the end to see who's going to be on the show the most. <laughs> okay, <laughs> happy, happy to uh, duke it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you take care. You too. Nice to talk to you guys. All right, see talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Special thanks to John Harrington for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Ingstrom, Uwe Wright, and Scott Sheriff for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. Mm-hmm.